Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Yeah, y'all are awake out there? Everybody's wondering, who is that? So uh, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point Church. I would just want to welcome you guys. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're super excited to have you here. And uh, if you uh, are a faith family, welcome home. We're glad you guys are here. And so uh, I want to kind of start out just uh, with a couple of announcements. One, uh, the reason that I'm standing here today and not Pastor David is... Uh, he is actually with his dad this weekend. For those of us uh, that know and uh, know that his dad, his dad is not doing very well um, and uh, just in uh, t- kind of a declining state of health. And so um, he had a, a bad couple of days this past week. And so uh, he called me on Friday and said, hey, man, I really need to go if that's okay. And, and I said, of course. And so uh, so we just want to covet your prayers for our pastor. He needs your prayers. He needs your encouragement. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like to, to watch your your dad decline and and um, and so it's really hard for us as a staff to watch that and so um, j- but all we can do is pray you know and pray for him and just pray for peace for his family in the midst of everything that's going on there so um, I do want to uh, make a couple of announcements about some upcoming things I'm really excited about one is uh, baby dedication uh, coming up not uh, this coming weekend this Mother's Day weekend we're going to start off with a brunch on uh, Sunday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and uh, that's going to be for family, the close friends, anybody who wants to come to that part of it. And then, of course, we'll have the dedication during the services, the 9.15 and the 11 a.m. services uh, on that Sunday as well. And so if you'd like more information about that, you can go to the website, crosspointchurch.cc slash children, and uh, uh, also sign up to be a part of that. Please RSVP so we can make plans accordingly. So we're looking forward to having a large group of people, and so we just want to make sure we have enough uh, food and everything for everybody on Saturday, but also, uh, you know, make arrangements for Sunday. And so uh, really excited about that. Um, also, want to just take some time for just a moment um, and uh, just say thank you to you know we've been in this building for uh, four weeks now. This is the fourth week in the new. Uh, you guys enjoying the new our new permanent home? Amen. I uh, I certainly am. It's uh, really exciting to come to work every day, and uh, it was exciting before, but now it's super exciting just to be able to come and just to see people coming in and inside the building. Uh, and, and, and all of that. So what I want to do is take some time this morning and just kind of uh, recognize and appreciate everyone. This uh, During first service, we had Michael McRae, uh, who is the general contractor um, who helped us uh, for almost 18 months now just in that building process. And Bruce Smith, uh, he was our architect. And, and uh, those two guys in particular, um, you know, really were a huge part of that process for us. And just really, we, we gained a partnership with them and also a friendship with them. It was really... Uh, amazing to see, but I also want to thank uh, uh, Bill Hurley. Our uh, he was the super for this job. I called him Superman more than once. That's right. And uh, I'm not going to make him stand up. That's a, you know I don't want to embarrass him. But uh, and, and there are so many other contractors, many of which are, are partners or, or attend this uh, faith family. We're so thankful for you guys uh, and and your contribution, your care and concern. We can see it all the way through. Just the quality of workmanship and and it's just been. Uh, really amazing to see and and so uh, but I also want to thank uh, all of you guys volunteered to serve to help uh, many people just worked uh, hours and hours and days and even weeks with us some of you guys and uh, truly thankful from the bottom of my heart for all of you who helped us move out of the old building and helped us move into this building and and uh, just made uh, this permanent home for us a reality. It's truly, truly a blessing to be here. And so can I just, can we just give the Lord a, a hand for what he's doing and very thankful for everybody. 
And so, uh, with that in mind, I just want to go to the Lord in prayer and just thank Him for everything. Father God, we thank You uh, more than anything for Your uh, mighty movement that You began so many years ago and, and are... And, and now we are seeing just the beginnings come to fruition, Lord. The beginning is of what you have in store for us as a faith family. And Father, uh, all the way from the beginning, um, you promised us that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. And you are still doing that and continue to do that. And we know that this is only the beginning of that. And so Father, uh, we're thankful uh, for you. Thankful for feeding us, for giving us strength to do the work that we, uh, that you have, have given us to do. And Father, we're just uh, so thankful for who you are and what you do in our lives. And so, Father, as we go into the rest of this time, Lord, I pray uh, just for our pastor uh, as he is with his dad um, and just uh, going through that process. Father, we know that you are a sovereign God who has a sovereign plan for every person's life. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with Pastor David, uh, be with his dad, and, and uh, just be with the family. Give them peace in this time. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the, the many babies and everybody that... Uh, just to, that you are blessing us with and as people, as, as our faith family continues to grow, Lord, and as we get to celebrate that and dedicate our children to you, Lord. And Father, as we get to do that together as a faith family, we're so thankful for that. And so, Father, we're thankful for all of the volunteers and everyone who comes and is a part and, and who has uh, contributed to this uh, place being a permanent home for us. And so, Father, as we go into the rest of this service, I pray that you would, even as we have worshipped you in spirit and in truth this morning through the music, I pray now as we uh, focus on your message, your word. Father, where else will we go? You have the words of life. And so I pray that we will be committed to that this morning, that you would break our hearts, Lord, with your truth. Father, that we might become more like you, that we might live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Father, we ask and pray all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And... Uh, uh, we're continuing through the series, Welcome Home, uh, and, and uh, I think a very apt series for this uh, first series in the new building, and just really excited about what God is doing there. And today we're going to be talking about marriage, binding together in marriage. And we're asking a very important question, what happens when two imperfect people set out to live a perfect life? It seems like a very daunting task, does it not? And so as we talk about marriage this morning, you know, I think it's really important to understand that and, and I think most of you guys would agree with me that, you know, over the last couple of uh, years, even the last decade or so, um, marriage in particular in this country has come under attack from all sides, it seems like. You know, it seems like uh, uh, it, never more that, I, that I've noticed, never more uh, in the last couple of years has uh, marriage come under attack by uh, people. Uh, I see a decline in uh, sexual morality and, and an increase in sexual immorality. Uh, we just see this um, rapid decline away from uh, a God-centered vision for marriage and for family and for life. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why is that? And of course, uh, I, I think, again, most of you would agree that it's because we're moving away from God. We're not moving closer to God. We're moving further away from God, it seems like. And you know, and I, and I think in particular, when we look at uh, the book of Genesis, you know, God uh, wrote this amazing book for us and gave us a picture of what it was like to create the heavens and the earth. And, you know, the, the word Genesis, Barashith in the original language, it actually means in the beginning, you know. But it also means the, the, the head of all things, you know. It's actually referring to, it's funny how 
you know, Jesus is referred to as the Alpha and the Omega, and I think it's very interesting that uh, the first book of the Bible and the last book of the Bible both are direct references to, to Christ and who He is, and even in this, uh, uh, at the head of all things. And, and I think here, here's what we see. Genesis lays out for us uh, the, a picture of what marriage is and defines for us what marriage is. And, and what's interesting about that is, is because we want to redefine it, we, right? We want to redefine what marriage is and what marriage should be and what human sexuality is and what it should be. And the reality is we can't do that. Marriage is a divine institution that was established by God, not by us, right? And so when we find ourselves in this place where we're doing this, it's really kind of foolish, you know? And, and here's the thing, you guys. I, uh, I have this kind of this running debate um, with uh, actually uh, a friend of mine, she tagged me in a Facebook post this week. You guys know what a GIF is? GIF? Some of you guys are saying, no, it's GIF. You know, there's this, there's this ancient debate of how do you say GIF or GIF? Some of you guys don't know what a GIF is, so don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, it's that moving picture, you know, it's a little kind of repeats over and over again. You can send it to people that are usually kind of funny, you know. And we have this argument, this friendly argument going on about how do you pronounce it? Is it GIF or, or GIF? It's G-I-F. And, and, and here's my... You know, uh, she tagged me in this post about why it makes more sense to say GIF, and I said, well, that's just crazy, you know. And, and here's my simple explanation for why you pronounce a GIF. Because the man who created it, his name is Stephen Wilhite, he actually received a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2013 for his contribution to technology in the Western Hemisphere. You can tell I'm a tech guy. And, um, but this man who created the GIF, he decided that he wanted to be pronounced GIF. And so... I feel like the guy who created it should get to determine how you say it. Amen? So you guys are on board with me, right? No, some of you are. Okay, but here's the thing. God, in the same way, God created marriage. He divinely established for marriage and gave it to us as a gift. And because He divinely established and created for us, then He should get to define how marriage is, not us. That's the simple fact of the matter for me. And so as we... Uh, come to this place this morning where we read from Scripture, we have to understand that's where we find ourselves. We are looking into the face of the one who is the head of all things. And he is defining for us what marriage is. And we have one job this morning, and that's to abide in his word. So let's read. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. <clears throat> I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever he called them, every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, This is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. There he is again, he's naming. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Hallelujah. So... Here's the thing, you guys. I want to dive into this passage this morning and really understand what God is saying to us. He's defining marriage for us. He's defining how we should live. And so I want you guys to uh, just walk with me through this journey. And the first thing I want you guys to see here is there's a great dilemma, 
right? Look when you ver- back at verse 18. Verse 18 starts out with the Lord declaring, It is not good that the man should go, that the man should be alone. He goes on to explain that Adam, you know, he, he has a job to do. Uh, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden so that he could serve, right? So that he could grow, so that he could cultivate the garden. Uh, even in, in verse 15, it says he was placed there so that he could tend it and keep it, you know? And so in the midst of doing all this, the other thing, the other job that he had was to name all of creation. What an amazing gift. What an amazing blessing for Adam. Uh, literally stood there as, as God paraded all of the creatures, all the livestock, all the birds of the, of the earth, every living creature he walked past Adam. And whatever Adam named them, that's what they got to be. And here's the amazing thing about naming something. When you name something, you receive dominion over it. That's one of the most amazing things about getting to name our children, right? Is we get to name them, and that, and that name means something, at least to us, right? And it's a very powerful thing. It's very uh, special and significant. We took a lot of time to really carefully consider what we were going to name our children, you know? And in the midst of doing so, that's what Adam was doing. And so he's, he's naming all these animals. And then we get towards the end of all of this. And in the midst of this, I can't imagine. The Bible doesn't say what Adam was thinking. It doesn't really go through what was going through his mind. All we know is what was going through God's mind. But you've got to imagine as he's going through, he's seeing all these animals, male and female, going in front of him. you know, And he realizes, what about me? Where's the one for me? And I have to ask myself the question when I read this and, and, and God said it is not good for man to be alone. Well, God, did, did this surprise you? Did this sneak up on you? I mean, did God create the heavens and the earth and all living creatures in the world and even created Adam and he placed Adam in the garden and did all this stuff and then he got to the words of the end of it and realized, oh, wait a minute. I forgot to make somebody for Adam. No, of course not. That's not at all what he's doing here. You know, the, the reality is what he's doing here is, is he's setting up. It's called a dramatic pause. You know, he's setting up for uh, Adam this amazing event and this amazing occurrence. I mean, here, here's the reality. You know, God wasn't surprised. He didn't uh, suddenly realize I've got mooses and I've got femooses. And I've got mallards and femallards and mammoths and femammoths, but... but Males and no females, right? You guys with me? Okay. Macaws and femacaws. Mantises and females. I can do this all day. So, all right. So, here, here's the reality marmots and femarmots. Okay. So, of course he knew, right? He's the head of all things. But he's doing this for a reason. And he realized again in verse 18, it says, it is not good. And, and I love this word good. In order to understand really what's happening, we have to understand this word good in its proper context, okay? This word good, uh, the best way that I, can, that I understand it is my, my father-in-law, Jerry. Uh, if you guys ever met, he, he's an amazing man. Uh, I've never had a bad day with this guy. Both my in-laws are amazing I don't have some of the horror stories that you guys have. You know, I, I truly am blessed by God to have amazing uh, uh, parents and in-laws. And, and, uh, and, and, and Jerry, he's kind of an elder statesman. You know, he's quiet. He's reserved. He's, you know, he, he's a very wise man. He doesn't talk very much, you know. And it's funny because uh, we sit at the dinner table, and he's got a quick wit, but he's kind of got a dry humor. Sometimes you don't know if you're supposed to laugh or not, you know. And we'll have dinner or something like that, and we'll say, Jerry, how's dinner? And he said, well, it's all right. 
you know, and you know he loved it, but he's just kind of under, understated, un, you know, underspoken, if you will, or soft-spoken, and, and uh, it's funny, until, until you put some banana pudding in front of that man, and then he gets real excited. You know, you ask, put some banana pudding in front of the man and say, hey, how's the banana pudding, Jerry? He'll say, it's good. And that's what I think of whenever I think of this word good. It's not like, hey, how you doing today? I'm good. That's not, that's not what God is saying. When God says it is good, he means it is good. It's amazing. It's perfect. And so when he says it's not good, we can kind of see the other side. of the, and, and here's the thing about the word good. We see this word more than almost any other word in Scripture. It's mentioned multiple times. In Genesis chapter 1, we have this amazing, less than 800 words in the first chapter of Genesis, but in 800 words, God describes the creation of the heavens and the earth, of every living thing upon the whole planet. He gives us a snapshot in just a few words of all of creation. It's this amazing thing, and the word that keeps coming up over and over again is the word good. And I want to just read through these really fast with you. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Genesis 1.10, God called the dry land, earth, and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to his kind, and God saw that it was Genesis 1, 16 through 18, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. You guys don't miss that, right? God created light on the first day and then he created all of the stars and everything else on the fourth day. We'll come back to that later maybe one day. That's amazing. And God set them in the expanse over the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.21, So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.25, And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And finally, in Genesis 1.31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It's like, just when it couldn't get any gooder, he looks over his creation, he says, Man, now this is very good. And so in Genesis chapter 2, what Genesis chapter 1 is, is this big, like, 30,000-yard picture of what happened. You know, it's like zooming out really far on Google Maps, you know. You can see a lot, you can see a lot. But then in chapter 2, he zooms in and he explains to us how it went from not good to very good. And so that's what we see in this account that we're looking at right here. So the first thing I want you guys to see is, is this, or the second thing I want you guys to see here is his design. First, we see the dilemma, the problem that Adam was without uh, someone. And, and, and what we see here is that God puts on display his plan for the world, and so often we miss it. So now let's look at his design. Look with me in verses 21 and 22. It says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, 
And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. This is God's design. This is an amazing design. The first thing I want you to hear to see that God's design for a woman was special. The first thing is it was special timing. God's perfect timing. It was not a surprise to God that Adam, his the pinnacle of his creation did not have a counterpart. He, cre- he did this for a reason, to lay out for us. You know, and so we see this where we go through. You see that, that God waited. He wanted Adam to realize that he was in need of something and that the only one who could provide this special something for him was God. Adam saw that there were moles and females. Okay, I'm done. I'm done, I promise. So... But secondly, we see that God's design for woman was special because Eve had special origins. So it wasn't just special timing. It was also his, her origins were special. I love this. Uh, you read just a few verses before. You see that God created all of the, every living creature from the dust of the earth. Even Adam. Even Adam. Actually, Adam means red clay. So if you're named Adam, your name means dirt. Sorry, you know. Talk to your parents about that, you know. But, but here, here's, here's the reality. Even Adam, who, who Genesis chapter 2, verses 7, it kind of describes to us how he was brought together. He gathered together the dust of the earth, and, he, and he, he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. In other words, Adam was fearfully and wonderfully made from everyday, average, ordinary dirt. All of creation, every living thing from dirt, except for Eve, except for a woman who came from flesh. And not just any flesh, not from man, from Adam's feet, so that we could step on her head, and not from our head so that she could be over us, but from right here. The closest part to Adam's heart so that one day she could return right back there. You know, this is where my wife is, right here. This is her. On the couch, watching TV, at the movies, in the car. It's really dangerous. Don't do that. But, but this is where she lives, close to my heart. Even while she's gone, she's gone this weekend on a staff wives retreat. And, and uh, man, I miss her. And not just because the house is a wreck although the house is an unmitigated disaster, okay? Don't tell her, you know, 30 minutes before she gets home, you know, I'm gonna, we're all going to be like cleaning, clean up, you know. But not just because of that, but because I've, met, I've had such a blast with my boys this weekend. I had so much fun, but at every time, at every moment that we've had done all these cool things and we went mud bogging and we bought a dog and we went to the pond and, you know, we... I know, right? So we did all these fun things and the whole time I'm thinking... You know, I really wish April were here. Not so just so she could clean up behind us. You know, the, the amazing thing about this, Pastor David called me on Friday and said, Hey man, you know, my dad is not doing good. He's had a really bad couple of days and I really feel like I need to go. And I said, please go, man. We will take care of business and God is a big God. And, and, and you know, we're kind of in the groove now, praise the Lord. And, and, uh, and so I've had a couple of days to kind of just to think and, and, to, and to have God you know, speak to me and, and, and break my heart and, and help and remind me once again how important my wife is to me and how what a blessing and a gift our marriage is. And that's something that we forget sometimes. 
So we have to understand that, that, that God, he has a special design, a special origin for her. And finally, uh, God's design for woman was special. Eve had a special delivery. Special delivery. Right, look in verse 22. It says, In the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. You guys get that? God brought her to him. God brought her to him. Your spouse is a gift from God delivered directly to you by God. Unless you decide you want to do your own thing and get ahead of him. You know, maybe, maybe you're uh, sitting in this room and you're, and you're single and you've been very patiently and politely and quietly wondering to yourself, well, this is, a great, this is great, a message on marriage, but what does this have to do with me? Well, I hope at least, if nothing else, this is where you're going to perk your ears up and listen First of all, this message is for everybody, not just married folks in this room. So you should be listening anyway. But certainly this part, we need to listen to these words. God brought her to him. Both of them, he brought together. The reality is a lot of us, and I, I remember those days when I was single, just saying, oh, I just don't want to be alone. I remember weeping and crying to God and saying, God, I just want somebody special in my life. You know, and, and I spent so much time thinking about that and being consumed by that thought and, and just wanting someone to be in my life and not wanting to be alone and so much to the point and, and many of you might identify with this but I just went out and kind of took over God's job for him instead of waiting on him to bring the perfect person to me I went out and found somebody else that wasn't for me that wasn't meant for me and I did all sorts of foolish things. And I've become very well aware in the last couple of weeks and months of the need to not do somebody else's job. You let God do his job and you do your job. Here's the reality, guys and girls. If you are single, you have a job. Adam, placed, Adam was placed in the garden with a job to do, to tend it and to keep it, to set the stage for God to do something amazing. So guys... You do that. You focus on that. You work, you tend, you, you move, and you just wait for God to bring you the perfect person. Don't try to go out there and do your own thing. And to the ladies, I would say, it's a really simple concept. You know what, you know what uh, uh, Eve's contribution to the whole thing was? Just existing. Just being the beautiful, amazing, special creation that God made her. God doesn't need your help. He's doing just fine and creating you and making you amazing all by yourself. You know, I hear so often women say, well, I, I need a man and I'm praying for this kind of man and this and that. Why don't instead of praying for this kind of man and that kind of man and the kind of man that you need, why don't you pray for yourself that you would be the woman that God has made you to be of special worth and value and just wait until he brings you to him you know speaking of single single again a, a gentleman came up to me after um, after the service he's uh, almost 85 years old strong handshake you know and he said he said I, um, I'm a widower my second wife of my second wife he says and I'm talking to a lady now 
he says it's really hard when you feel 48 and you're 85 and to do the right thing and be the right person and, and, I, and I just said man I can't even imagine what that's like but I, but I also I was just thinking man what an amazing gift that some people that three times in their life that God might bring them that special person just for them God is good to us guys he is so good we do not need to do his job for him we need to wait on him amen alright so finally we get to see man's response to God's design in verse 23 we see something very unusual I want to read it here it says then man said so, so, so uh, God brings Eve to man and then man said this is his response this is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and she should be called woman because she was taken out of man you guys realize what's happening here? If you look at your Bible, you can see like Genesis chapter 2 all the way up to this verse right here. It's like paragraph, paragraph, paragraph. And then look at the words. Most of your translations, it's kind of like moved over to the side. You know what that is? It's a lyric. Adam is not just excited and proclaiming this is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He is so excited. His response, he is so excited that his response is to break out into song. You know, every time I read this verse, I think of that song by Etta James. At last, I'm going to sing it for you. I'm just kidding. Totally not singing it for you. It's a beautiful song that it always reminds me of this passage. That last, my love has come along. And this is his response. And then finally in verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know, when I was in seminary, uh, I had a professor who taught me something that stuck with me probably more than any other thing that I learned uh, whenever I see in Scripture. When you see the word therefore, he taught me to always ask the question, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore? I know, right? That's what I got from seminary. So, no, here, here's the thing, you guys. It's really powerful, though, because anytime you see the word therefore, you need to understand that the next statement that's going to be made is a summation of everything that he's been saying. You know, in other words, he's saying these last uh, six verses that we've been reading, 18 up through 24, these, all these words, he says, and now all of this is summed up in this word, in this statement. A man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And there's just something very powerful and beautiful about this passage. It's actually recited two or three more times in Scripture, repeated over again in Scripture. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, which we're going to go to in just a few moments. But there's something very powerful about this because, you know, what he's saying is it, 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 because of this, because God created man and because God created woman, because there's a divine and transcendent uh, nature to marriage, we should leave our father and our mother and we should cleave together. That word cleave is in some of the older translations. And when, you know the thing I love the most about the word cleave? It has two meanings. We always think of cleave, right, as come together, right? Cleave to your wife. But you know what else is cleaver? Separate. It's this beautiful word picture of separating from anything and everything except for your spouse, except for this relationship. And so we have this beautiful picture of what's happening here and this definition and finally this awesome truth, this amazing truth, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. 
And so now we have to come to the place in the message where we ask ourselves a very important question. Anybody want to guess what it is? So what? Yeah. If you're visiting with us this morning, I, one of the things that I do all the time, I have to ask myself this question, and so I'm going to ask you to ask it with me, but I have to ask myself the question, so what? So God created Adam, God created Eve, it was very special, it's a divine, God established marriage for us and gave it to us, so what? What does that mean? How do we take that and apply it to our lives? What's the significance of that? You know, I asked that question one time, and, um, well, let me, I'll come to that in just a second. So let me look at this last verse. Here's the so what, you guys. Here's the verse. In verse 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's the so what, you guys. That's, I know you're wondering, what? How is that the so what? You know, whenever I read this, I have to ask myself, why in the world did God put that in here? Such an amazing and beautiful passage about marriage, and then he closes it, he ends it up with, and they were both naked and not ashamed. You know, a a gentleman came up to me after the service one time when I asked that question. He said, I guess it's real simple. He said, they were both young. They were both, they had just been created. They were perfect. They were physically perfect. If you think about it, this was before the fall, so there was no sin in their life. So they had nothing to be ashamed of. And you know what? That's true. But that is not why this verse is in this passage for us this morning. Not because they were perfect. They were not unashamed because they were perfect. Because trust me, I have met people before whose wives were perfect. They were beautiful like a supermodel and it still wasn't enough. I've met families who the husband just makes a GQ model, puts him to shame, but it's not enough. Their marriage falls apart. That shame always comes creeping into our marriages and our relationships because we are sinful, fallen people. That's not why this passage is put in here. They were naked and unashamed because of what just happened. Because the covenant of marriage had just been designed and delivered by God to us. That is why they were unashamed. Because God had delivered to them an amazing gift. And here's the most important part, and guys, do not miss this. This gift was a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve had been gifted with one of the greatest symbols of the gospel message, and they didn't even know it. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he repeats the verse again. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And I love this. He says, this mystery is profound. This mystery is profound. And I love this, though. Paul says, but I've lived a little bit of life. And God has spoken to me and he's revealed to me. He says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Guys, our marriage is a picture of Christ and his church, or not. From the beginning, God created marriage, the covenant of marriage, to be a display of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. 
man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. You know who else did that? Jesus, the God-man, he left his father and he came down here and he chased after a bride, a filthy bride. A bride who hated him, who spit on him, who cursed him, who beat him, who ultimately crucified him. And you know what? He gave up his life for that bride. He didn't give up on us. He didn't say to us, well, we've got irreconcilable differences and so you and I are done. He said, I love you and I care about you and I will chase you to the ends of the earth. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is our groom. We are his bride. And the gift of marriage that we have is meant to be a picture of that amazing message of redemption, of gospel power. And it breaks my heart to know that my marriage is not a very good picture of that some days. My marriage is a picture of selfishness and self-desire and conceited, my own conceited nature. My marriage is not a picture of God's redeeming grace, of God's pursuit of us. This is the so what, you guys. The question was asked, what happens when two imperfect people set out to live a perfect life? And I know what some of you guys thought, because I thought the same thing. How is that possible? How can two imperfect people live a perfect life? Well, it does say set out. But here's the reality, guys. We can strive for it. We can fight for it. We can choose. The answer is that God binds them together like a threefold cord, and their marriage is, is, here's really simple, it consists of two imperfect people, and they are a mess. Me and my wife, we are a hot mess. If you know us, you know that. We love hard, and we hate hard. You know, we, we fight hard, and we, and we play hard. We're, we're this, like, picture of volatility. But God brought us together. And God took two people who are a big mess and gave us an opportunity to take our mess and turn it into a message to the world. A message that can lead others to Christ. But you know what people see? They see believers, they see the church and marriage under assault. Well, you know what else they see? They see more than anything, they see believers in Christ proclaiming Christ and living lives that are not worthy of the gospel, living out marriages that are not worthy of the gospel, quitting too soon, leaving too early, giving up. People sit on my couch and our couch for marriage uh, counseling and their marriage is in tatters and they're weeping about how they're just not in love anymore. You know what I say? So What? Love is not a tree that you fall out of. It's not a hole that you fall into. Love is a choice. You have to choose to love your spouse day in and day out. That's not something that just magically happens because they're amazing. You choose to do it, no matter how amazing or terrible they are. You choose to love them just the same way that Christ chose to love us and display for us, put on display the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And when we give up, when we quit on marriage, when we, especially for some of the stupidest reasons that we do, irreconcilable differences. I hate that term. We mar the message of the gospel. We preach a false message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. When we try to get ahead of God and we try to do his job and we try to line up for ourselves our helpmate to the one who is perfect and suitable for us and we get ahead of ourselves and we end up marrying someone that we never should have married and inevitably divorce happens and you find yourself single again I cannot imagine what that's like but here's the amazing thing about that the fact that you're alive means that you have another chance You have another chance to choose to love someone and to wait for God to bring that person to you. We have a chance. Your marriage may be in tatters this morning. Your marriage may be failing and hurting, but you have a chance this morning to choose to love the same way that Christ loves. So this morning, in just a few moments, we're going to pray. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. Here's what I know happens. I know some of you guys think, well, if I come down front, people are going to think my marriage is in tatters. We're not going to think that. I want to ask you guys to do this with me this morning. I want to ask you guys to come down here and get on your face before God and pray for your marriage. Pray for your parents' marriage, for your friend's marriage, for the marriage, for the family member that you know that's struggling and hurting, for the friend whose wife left them and they're separated now. You know, I have this special privilege. There's a young lady, she comes down every couple of weeks. She has such a beautiful spirit and we pray for her parents and their marriage. It truly is a special time. She cares. It'd be really easy to say, well, I'm out of the house and it's a broken home and they're empty nesters, so what does it matter? But she cares and she prays for them. Can we do that this morning? Can we pray together that two imperfect people, that these big messes that we are, might be able to proclaim a message of the gospel? Here's the thing. I know I'm looking out in this room and I'm seeing couple after couple who know the redeeming power of God's love and how it can heal a marriage and how it can make even the most dire circumstances and situations how God can heal that and redeem that. Even marriages that have ended, God can repair and heal. But we've got to be willing. 